Talk Network. Hi, this is Devin Track with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of 40K Radio. As well, the head geek himself, Terrace Cassidy, would like you to know that the Adepticon Tour is now up and running. So if you want to get in on this amazing convention, go to geeknationdoors.com and sign up for the tour. And now, on with the show. Welcome to 40K Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of 40K Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Alex. With me is JF. Hey, gang! And we actually have a very special guest today, Amy Frost. Hello. So Amy is uh, is uh, friends with JF. You might have seen them gang- hang out together at Adepticon if you approach JF. Not that you know what we look like because it's a podcast, but... Um, they did do the Overcast podcast, uh, talking about Overwatch, and they actually have some projects upcoming that they're going to talk about in a little bit. But as always, we like to talk about anything we've done gaming-wise, and I think, uh, Amy, since you're the guest, go for it. I'm uh, I'm buried up to my eyeballs in building stuff for games that I haven't had a chance to play yet. Uh, like, I built all my airplanes uh, for Aeronautica Imperialis, haven't played yet. I've got new warband for underworlds yeah i haven't haven't gotten a chance to play beast grave yet um i have a whole bunch of warbands for um Warcry, which i loved kill team until Warcry came out and i was like oh they phoned it in with kill team a lot and i'm yeah. super disappointed it could have been so much more they went ahead and they were like let's make you know zero calorie 40k and Warcry, they're like, let's make this awesome game that you can play with the same models. And that was a way better decision. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. I, I played a little bit of Kill Team, but then once I got a demo of Warcry, I was kind of like, oh, so this is the game I should have invested my money in instead. Yeah, I, I work, I manage a game store, and we were going to do a fall Kill Team campaign. And then as soon as everybody got into Warcry, it was unanimously voted like, hey, can we do a Warcry <laughs> campaign instead? Yes, we absolutely can. That's fine. No problem. Let me just put this organized play kit away that we spent all this money on. That's fine. Don't worry about it, guys. I mean, I, anybody that knows me knows I'm not much of a rules person. I play for the pretty models and the narratives and stuff. And I was reading the preview of the rules for Warcry and I was getting excited. Yeah. For how smooth, fun, and interesting, like the the whole way that the the initiative system works. I mean, I think I texted you about that, Amy. Yep. I, yep. When do I text you about rules? When do I text <laughs> anybody rules about now? It? Yeah. Like I'll text you crazy theories about what I think the future of the Eldar race is. <laughs> uh-huh. We'll talk about that later. Oh, yes. Because I have ideas. But yeah, they basically took everything you argue about. Right. Like so terrain setup or, um, you know, the stuff that takes forever, um, like, you know, setting up all of your armies. And it's just like, all right, well, it's streamlined. So we're going to play this mission, deal some cards. All right. We're playing this mission. These are your objectives. This is how the train set up. This is where you're going to deploy and go. And all the stats for your fig. Yeah, they fit on a business card. Yeah, yeah. those are great. Just the card packs that you get with all the They attractions. are a weird size, though. And so everybody comes in saying, do you have sleeves that fit these? No, because no sleeve manufacturer <laughs> on the planet makes anything that size. 
But we know um, from experience that Games Workshop will put out sleeves yeah. for things. So, I mean, that could happen. But they should have put them out with it. They should have, but... I know. Games Workshop's good at leaving money on the table for yeah. ancillary products. True. Limited edition Christmas release. Warcraft. Yeah, right? Perfect. Please not limited edition. <laughs> well, well, they'll do that thing where it's dumb. limited at first, but then in like six months it's widely available. Yes. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> that sounds sounds quote unquote reasonable. Mm-hmm. I think we're sort of all in the same boat with Aeronautica. I haven't gotten to play a game yet. Oh, how wrong you are! Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm glad you got to play because you're sort of the Jay- Aeronautica expert. <laughs> got to play is a strong word, but I did put planes on a gaming mat. Dice were rolled and some planes were destroyed. Nice. Excellent. Um, so yeah, no. Over the week, uh, I mean, is it my turn? Are you? Is Amy done? Like, because okay. I can, I can seg into this. Okay. Um, so over the weekend, uh, my brother and I were supposed to play our first game of Aeronautica Imperialist. He did not finish his planes, although he he made some really good headways into the bases. Because <laughs> priorities. <laughs> um, that being said, um, he we he. he Based, I decided, well, you know, screw it. We, we were just, I'm just trying, I just want to get a feel for the game, right? I just want to know, how does this compare to Forge World's version of Aeronautica Imperialist? So, I got five planes. Let's let's just do a f- two planes each, 36, 36 points. That's still above the minimum of 25 for a dogfight. Let's do a dogfight, mirror composition. Each have a Decajet, we each have a Fighter Bomber. No upgrades, and let's let's just rock this out. Let's just play around. And it plays pretty much exactly like the original Aeronautica Imperialist did. I had exactly as much fun. The X's are not a problem. They just make everything a lot easier to sort of predict and you know, strategize around, sure. uh, make sure that the facings are easier to measure and, and evaluate. And also, I one of my biggest worries about the game mat making the the sky feel too small did not that was not a problem at all. Oh, good. Like even on the small game mat, like of course we're playing just for four planes. Like it can probably get pretty crowded pretty quickly if you play larger games. But a dogfight is a maximum of a hundred points. And it, it felt big enough to have a good dogfight for four planes. So I am super satisfied. I am very happy and relieved. Now, the only problem is I hunger for more races. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's fun. It's such... Cause it's, one, it's, it's a game that's strategically demanding. There's a lot of trying to... There's a lot of mind games and trying to guess what your opponent is going to do, what it's thinking, anticipating his his behavior, and also just trying to create scenarios where you set traps. Yeah. Right. But setting traps in a highly dynamic environment. And the way they've got initiative working, you always, I mean, you always want your opponent to move first because right. then you can react to what they do. But obviously, you don't want him to shoot first. But you can't have your cake and eat it, too. <laughs> if you win the roll-off, you have to pick, do I want to be shooting first or moving first? Because I'm 
Like, am I, do I want him to move first or me to shoot first? Because I can't have both. Right. So there's right. there's some fun decisions to make, and it's easy to pick up. Like the rules are very simple. I mean, it used to be a kind of a joke because the when you bought the Eronica Imperialist rules from Forge World, it was a huge like forty dollar hardcover full color book for eight pages of rules. Right. Right. Which is kind of the same. Like it's still the same rules, so it's not that much more complicated. But at least when you're paying forty dollars, you're paying more than forty dollars, but you're getting some planes and, and some other stuff. So I'm I'm really looking forward to playing more of that. It's it's a fun game. I've also been painting. I also painted my uh, my base is all fancy for aeronautic Imper- aeronautic imperialists. Mm-hmm. But I've uh, I've been painting. Um, <laughs> so I am currently, as we speak, putting paint on the third. Um, Underworld's war band that I nice. own. Well, not that I own, but that I own and I've put paint on because I've got four built and primed, ready to be painted, and none are complete. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a problem where mm-hmm. I get them ninety percent, then I just move on to the next one because I get excited. <laughs> I'll play one day. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I'll make you sooner or later. <laughs> well, I I have to at least learn the rules so we can play uh, at Adepticon. Oh yeah, and also Aeronautic Imperialist. See, this is why I won't be able to do the team tournament after after this year because there's just so many other there's things so many I want to play. Things, especially with the new Underworlds formats, the competitive yeah. formats that they came out with. Like that team one, it's three people, and the way that they the that you share the restricted card pool and things like that, like that is so cool. Like that would be so much fun to do at a big event. I say knowing that I played X Wing at Adapticon and hated every second of it. But <laughs> you know, I mean if I've got friends, like it'll be well, fine. And and that's the thing. Like to me also the the possibility of playing with a team because the the whole card thing about Underworld is the part that almost bothers me. Like I don't I don't want to sit down and try to do some deck building and then realize, oh, I don't have this card because I didn't want to spend sixty dollars on buying these two war bands that have the cards and don't yeah, have like so all hard. this also like have to look, okay, which cards are allowed this season and this tournament. Like this is turning into magic the gathering and I ugh, I have no taste for it. But so, if, if I'm playing in a group and a team and at least one person that the team is into the cards and understands that I can say, this is my war band build my deck. Yeah. So there's a couple things. Um, first of all, they're moving away from a lot of the generic cards, mm-hmm. or certainly more so than they have in the previous seasons, which makes it a lot easier for people like you that don't want to buy everything in order to play. Um, but I think in in another one of those like leaving money on the table things, I think what they could do is they could release a generic pack. And if they still want to make money on it, right? Because that's your argument, right? All right, we're going to release all of the generic cards for season two, right? You missed all of um, whatever it was, Night Vault. So we're going to release all of the generic cards in a box. And you can think, well, that's leaving money on the table because now people won't buy all the war bands. Well, if you make them alt art, which that's what all their promo cards are and all of that, and they just came out with foils with the release of Beastgrave, make them alt art. The cost for them becomes almost negligibly more. And even people like me who own every single card they have put out so far, I'm going to buy it because they're prettier. 
So, like, this could be an easy solution to get people like you that don't want to have to buy everything just to get the cards for the army that you want to play. Well, I think that's a good way to get them in. I'm a model collector. I don't... Yep. Yeah. I'll I'll collect models, but I will I don't I don't want to have to freaking hunt down cars just for the privilege of being able to play with people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think part of it too for me is sort of the same thing. Like I have everything so far, but if there is a generic card pack where I wouldn't have to switch two or three cards from one deck to another deck every time I wanted to switch. Right. People would buy that deck. Mhm. Right, exactly. It's just for like the the ease of not having to take apart a deck just cuz you want to build a new one. Like, yeah. yeah. To, to me, if I were to draw a parallel, it's as if, oh, I I play Adeptic, Adeptus Mechanicus, and I want to have a unit in my Adeptus Mechanicus list, but for some reason, the rules for that unit is only available in the Space Marines Imperial Fist code. Well, I mean, they've taken the they've taken the X Wing model. I mean, because that's yeah. exactly what X Wing did. Not People, a good it's, no, it's, model. No, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> like I'm definitely not arguing that it is. Uh, it's not a good model, but it is a fairly financially viable one for them. Yeah, until someone puts out a better game like Aeronautica and Perilous, where you don't need to start <laughs> doing all this stupid thing, and then suddenly you're not going to be selling as much. Yeah, anyway, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> well, I hopefully, <clears throat> like X-wing, we won't see a. Uh, Underworlds 2.0 that completely invalidates everything you oh, purchased before. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I think, nope. like you said, they're they're sort of they're shooting themselves in the foot if if they don't do that. Although, yeah. you know, at least just for casual players. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think that the rotating out of the first season was a really good idea. Yeah. Um, because. Like, yes, it sounds a lot like magic, but it fixes a lot of problems, especially because as they've gone along, they've added newer and cooler things. And this winds up being broken with some of the stuff from the beginning when they didn't really know how it was going to go. Yeah. So, um, you know, it it was a good way for them to and like all of those war bands are still viable. And in fact, some of them are very viable. Uh, one of the stores near here had a big tournament this weekend and Skaven took top place. No one plays Skaven because they're unplayable. So, you know, it's it's nice that that a lot of that is getting fixed in this new season. When you're saying they're unplayable, like they're 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 difficult to play, they're bad a bad team, or they play like Calvin Ball. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's mostly just that they're like compared to so many of the other warbands, like they're so underpowered, and all of their special abilities don't sort of even out with any of the other ones, like their inherent ones. And so they've managed to put a lot of cards into this new set that allow them to work the way that they're supposed to, but better. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. And it's, it's always that, I mean, it's always that thing with any game, right? These guys suck and somebody has comes up with a winning list. And then all of a sudden they're sort of on top. Yep. But there's a lot of p- cards from the first set from just Underworlds that was um, from the first set that were just like, they were almost auto-includes and no matter what deck you took. Yeah. So now that they're, now like you are saying, now that they're cycling those out, it changes up the field, makes the game much more interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to be like the uh, the token listener who is currently screaming at their, their MP3 player or whatever, mm-hmm. just saying, I thought this was a 40K podcast. Yeah. Mm. Deal with it. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so well, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you the voice of the people. <laughs> I'm glad you get to pay, play Aeronautica, um, finally. Um, it's freaking I'm, great, man! You got to get it on. Yeah, that. I have to. I, I I have to finish putting my stuff together and, and find time to play. Um, yeah. I've just we had our our local achievement league start up, so that was the league that isn't based off necessarily winning. There's achievements, so first level was a thousand points. That thing so, sounds so cool. Yeah, it was stuff like field the Titanic unit. Um, play a, a brigade, play two battalions. Then there was more like more complicated stuff. Like your item list has to be, have no guys that have a melee weapon profile, have no guys that have a shooting weapon profile, and then have a list that has 50%, like half the guys have a, half the units have a close combat weapon profile and the other half of your units don't have one at all. So it's like 50-50 split. So interesting, you know, trying to build lists around that. Um, and then there's some, tougher ones like win a game without win a game without using any command points so not only do you have to not use command points you have to win so you're kind of stressing out the whole time while you're trying to do it um it's been a lot of fun so far uh we're heading into the second section which is 1500 points then the last one will be 2000 so that's been a lot of fun other than that trying to find extra time to put aeronautica imperialis together and work on various other projects have you been doing anything uh, besides Aeronautica Imperialis, Jeff? Um, well, you know, apart from uh, painting those warbands from that other game that's not 40k, no, not really. Times, t- I, I've got a bit more time now, but still not quite enough as much as I want. I've got some big projects coming out, but um, I'm, I'll, I'll talk about that when the uh, the delivery arrives. <laughs> yeah, because we are we are 161 days from Adepticon, kids. Mm, silence you. <laughs> I don't need to be reminded. Never tell me the odds. <laughs> aren't, aren't you just looking forward to not having to do that countdown once you're done with the team tournament, though? Oh, but I'll be doing it for other things. Yeah, like, yeah I'll, true. True. But the thing is, I'll be doing it for smaller things, and I'll be doing yeah. it just like instead of oh my god, I only have that many days to do all these things. It'll be oh, I get like I have this many days until I get to like hang out and and goof off with my friends. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be a countdown, but it'll be a more positive, relaxed countdown. And I'm looking forward to that. Not that I, not that I'm not not gonna go back to team tournament like the. the that's oh, not sure. a drug you can just quit, so. But <laughs> I, I need a vacation. Yeah, you just you just got me into it. I can't. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm in now. Yeah, I I need like a I need a year or two of methadone before I can go back to uh, <laughs> yeah, my good. heroin. Good. Oh wait, I'm gonna get in trouble again. <laughs> <laughs> I've also um been getting the epic Armageddon itch, so I've been sort of been just looking around. At that, it's it, it's still a fan-supported game, so there's a lot of newer army units out there and a bunch of companies that produce 6mm miniatures that look close to Games Workshop, but aren't Games Workshop. Mm-hmm. So well, similar to, you, similar to you, but legally separate. Yeah, exactly. Time. So I have, um, I have a Speed Freaks army, like official Games Workshop models, and a Dark Angels army, and a bunch of Titans, but I'm actually poking around looking for stuff for Necrons right now. Ooh. Which there are so of course there's like Egyptian themed robots with guns out there mm-hmm. that you can get from the Czech Republic, but you know they should be here soon. Nice. <laughs> so I I I mean, how how long before we get Epic Armageddon back anyway? Oh I know so. I know I'm sure it'll happen eventually in the in the Adeptus Titanicus world, but 
it, it's um, it's gonna. I just like the epic Armageddon game, and I'm sure it'll be different when it comes around. But Apocalypse is actually uh, fairly close to epic anyway. Epic Armageddon, which was interesting, I thought when I read the rules for Arm- uh, Apocalypse, with the you know with the suppression and all that stuff, and so yeah, which makes it weird. That my brother hasn't been pestering me more to play uh, Apocalypse, probably because we don't have much time, but. The dude was really into Epic. I don't think he's ever played it, but he was really into <laughs> he it. Really, yeah. <laughs> I think there's there's a lot of people out there. I because I joined you know the the Facebook groups for trading and stuff like that, and there's a lot of people with a lot of stuff that have never played apparently. So I, I had a lot of Tau stuff, but like very tiny resin gets broken and lost oh, very yeah. easily. Yeah, I stayed away from the. Uh, the Forge World armies is because for that reason. Mm, but they're so pretty. They are. They are. And I'm sure there are people out there that make them in metal somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But how about you, Amy? Anything else besides Underworlds? Um, well, I uh, I mean, uh, we've got that 161 days till Adapticon, so I have my I have my 40k friendly army that I have to put together. Uh, that is slowly but surely coming together. I'm doing Chaos Space Marines. I'm doing Zinch. And they've all got sort of a dark mechanicum aesthetic to them. So I've got this whole, like, technology as an agent of change backstory for them. And they should be pretty cool. I just have to get them done. I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll do cultists and I'll uh, kitbash them all. And they'll be really cool. And won't that be awesome? And then I was like, man... It's like a lot of models, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fine for them to all sit on an objective and then get obliterated in one turn, but that's fine. Hey, but for a few CP, you can bring them back. Yeah, it'll be there fine. Go. There you go. All nice. worth it. Yeah, of course. I'm hoping that I'll get to play in the friendly this year. You got it, man. It's I like know. the best. It's, it's, it's the best. It's so far the best event at Adepticon, bar none. I arguably had a bad friendly last year, and it was still the most fun. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I always get the one game that's not fun because there's always this one guy who shows up thinking, oh, I'm going to a friendly army. This is going to be an easy win with, yeah, for yeah. my ultimate you know, min-maxed power, power play list. So there, there's always this one guy, and I, I, I tend to always have to fight him. Yeah, I got and, him round two last year. Yeah, I, I got. I think I got him round two. Like, it's not always the exact same guy, but you know, it, it's the archetype. And I got him like round two, also like two years ago. Yep. No, it was round one because I I don't remember round two. No, <laughs> not if you do it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did they then the the uh, Adepticon registration should be up next month, I believe. November usually, right? Yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah. Usually, it used to be around um, end of October, and these these like the past few years, it's been like mid November. So yeah, because one year I was at uh, I was at Pax Unplugged, working at oh, when mm. registration went up, and that oh, was boy. not stressful at all. Right. Well, at least I they did the VIG by lottery, so there's not the rush for that anyway. Yeah. Also, I don't care much about VIG, so... Yeah, you just get some... Ex- I mean, it was cool the one year I did it, and I got a free Games Workshop uh, carrying case, which is nice, but other than that, it's just kind of like, okay, whatever. 
I mean, I get why some people are really oh, yeah. excited about it. It's just, it's just I, I already have too much stuff. So I'm, I'm mm. Well, that's the thing, too. It's just too much stuff to bring home. Oh, yeah. On top of everything yeah. else you already have, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with another copy of Rune Wars? Remember that year when they gave out yeah, Rune Wars? <laughs> yeah, I got that. It's over on my shelf. <laughs> I think I just gave it to her. Like, I, I, I end up coming back like Santa Claus and just giving a bunch yeah, of things. Yeah, that's what I do, too. If we're never going to use it, might as well, you know. Exactly. Well, in the in the world of of 40k, we got coming up this week the Phoenix Rising, or psych, first phase of Psychic Awakening. So you got some wild theories about the future of the Eldar race, JF. Um, yeah. So here's the thing: I've been toying around with certain things. One one of the things that uh, has been heavy on my mind for <laughs> the wrong reasons. <laughs> So go, going back to Last Adepticon, I got it in my head that I absolutely needed a Drukhari or Dark Eldar, Tantalus, and Reaper model from Forge World. Nice. Mostly because of, I was thinking, you, you know how it is. Like, just before Adepticon, you go, oh, do I need anything from Forge World? Exactly, yeah. So you go shopping, and I went shopping on the website, and I, I stumbled across those models and went, those are really cool models. Did I have a plan for a list? No. Did I buy the malls? Yeah. So I have a Tentalis and I have a Reaper, and I was just thinking to myself, man, I really need to do something with this. I've already got my friendly lists planned out for maybe two years, um, so I'm looking really far ahead. And by looking really far ahead, I've been really getting into the Yanari. Like I was thinking, man, the big Tentalis, like... The, the Incarn and all that. That's, there's, there's, there's some cool stuff to be done there. So, of course, this whole Phoenix Rising thing's got me really excited. I, I, don't, I don't know if we talked about this, but the, um, the, 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 well, the Screaming Banshees come with Yanari heads right. specifically. That's pretty exciting. That's like, that, that means that they're really trying to fold this new this new faction of the Eldar into something a bit bigger. There has been complaint on the internet because there's two <laughs> yeah. things on the internet. There's porns and com- porn and complaining. Um, but there's been complaint on the internet about like, oh, they like they gave us three models and some rules at the beginning, and then they gave us like an index, and then we. Like got a, a wide dwarf update, but we're getting nothing for the Inari. But I think we're gonna get something really cool, and I don't know if it's like I don't think it's something that we're gonna see soon. Yeah. But so here's the thing, right? Um, so I, I, I saw so I think it's a screenshot or like a quote from uh, from the Phoenix Rising book that states that talks about the uh, a plan. Let me walk you through this really quickly um, for anybody who hasn't read like articles on this. So basically, the s- someone like one of the one of the Eldar Farseer weird name I can't pronounce, don't care to, um, came up with this idea that the Slanesh could be defeated by depriving Slanesh of its quote unquote food source, which is Eldar souls. So to do that. The Eldar race would need to commit like mass suicide, and all be have all their sto- souls stored into their infinity circuits. That's all guarded by their ghost warriors, so like wraith guards, wraith lords, wraith knights, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Until, because they're all dead now, that empowers 
um, they're they're you know what you need. They're god of death, and it enfeebles Slanesh. So you need can go kick Slanesh's ass. There we go, and then bring back all the Eldar. And how do you bring back all the Eldar? Well, the Dark Eldar, Drukari, can uh, can create new bodies for them. And how do you know that they're going to be loyal? It's because some of the Drukaris are loyal to you need. So those would like clone bodies, bring back the Eldar race, have a big rave party, whatever. So that's a plan. It's a risky plan. It's a daring plan. It's a stupid plan. It's, it's going to fail because this is the grim dark. But here's what's interesting about it failing is that if it fails in the correct way, like say in the way a writer would want to create a new fun faction for 40k, let's say you have a craft world that says, well, we're going to try this. And they do the mass suicide. They all drink the Eldar Kool-Aid. They're all dead. They all... They, they, like, you need doesn't get to kill Slanesh because not enough craft worlds did it. But they do bring back all these dead Eldar. But they come back wrong. And you finally, after all this time, have a 40k proper undead army. Ooh. I like it. I think that's really interesting. So, and a lot of people are going to say, no, but we have undead. It's the Necrons. No, the Necrons no, are no. Terminators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we know they're Terminators because in their first incarnation, <laughs> they were badass, soulless killing machine. And much like the Terminator franchise, their second incarnation, they're a bit more human and have more personality. And then it kind of goes downhill from there. But... <laughs> So it's they're not proper undead, but now we would have proper undead. We'd have undead that are like undead space elves. What else could you possibly want? So I'd be down for that. Now, I don't know if this is something that they're going to come out like next month. They won't. But we're getting to the point where all the codexes have been re renewed. We're starting some of to see some of them getting like a second edition within the eighth edition. Yeah. We're going to get Sister of Bowels next month. So what else is there to do? What's what's the new stuff that they're going to wow us with? And I feel like this is not a bad direction to take. Because, I mean, it's a faction. We know it's a faction. It's just a very, very tiny faction with only three models. So I'd, I'd, be, like, I, I'd be interested to see more, and I think that's a good place to take it. I like that because I, I think you're right. When, you know, they they're unless they're going to redo all the codexes again, which is kind of boring, and release one or two new models every time they do one. They're they need to come up with something new, some new faction. And I mean, there's stuff out there like there's the Demiurg and you know the Jacaro and all that stuff, but those aren't going. I don't think those would get their own factions. It'd be interesting if they did, but I don't think they're going to go in that direction. I think this sounds, especially with the story they're building up, sounds like a more likely way to go, at least have something as the result of the Psychic Awakening be the new faction for 40k. Well, and I'm, I'm not saying no to Demiurg. I mean... Oh, yeah, no, sure. That's the thing. What's what's interesting about what they're doing with Phoenix Rising and the whole Psychic Awakening thing is that it allows them to lay this groundwork that maybe it's going to take two or three years. Maybe it's going to take five years, but it allows them 
to create this this fertile soil from which they can grow a new faction more easily. So maybe that's going to be something that we're going to see in one of the the future parts of of this whole thing because we know there's still squats out there. Yeah, they're in Necromunda. So I I wouldn't put it past Games Workshop to say, all right, well, in this part of Psychic Awakening, we hear about like how there are still squats and they're in this part of the galaxy and they're getting their own psychers because of the Psychic Awakening or something like that and they're they become part of the narrative. They're not necessarily immediately a playable faction, but we know they're out there and we know they can be brought back. So, and I, I've, that's, that's, that's what they mean by shaking up the universe, basically creating these opportunities. I'm super down for that. It's also a good way for them to judge interest, right? Because you can put them in the story. Right. Easy. Like, even if you never do anything with them beyond putting them in the story. But if people start clamoring for them, then, I mean, then you know that you've got an audience for all of these miniatures. And, I mean, that's a lot of resources to put into something that you're not sure about. So, why not just put the feelers out there? And then people go, oh, my God. And then you do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and... And, you know, I think we're kind of like we talked about a little bit last episode is it definitely seems like they're shooting for stuff, you know, like at least in this edition, they have sort of long running plans, right? Like probably going to see regular space Marines sort of kind of go away at some point, you know, like, again, that could be four or five years down the road, but it's probably going to happen as more regular space Marines take that Primaris jump. Um you know, and it looks like they're working on those races that have been around for a long time, like Space Marines, Eldar. Um, not too much with the orcs so far, but who knows what's going to happen with Psychic Awakening as far as they're concerned. Uh, I'm, I mean, if Psychic Awakening is about a Psychic Awakening, and then you have like a, a part of the, part of this this storyline is about what's going on with the weird boys. It's going to get weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right. Like, or, orcs are sort of like the the most psychically charged race because their stuff works because they think it works. Yep. You know, but, but there's no proof that that's psychic. True. It's not necessarily True. the warp. It's Fair enough. just orky stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> so stubborn. Reality goes fine. It flies. Yeah, all right. It works. Whatever. Fine. Reality out. <laughs> yes. You can bolt a metal head onto a body and, and the person still, still lives and is there. That's fine. Cause they think it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, they're oh, so yeah. good. And, I mean, just from a, a, a like modeling standpoint, you just throw something together and say, yeah, it's orcs, and it, it works. Loot anything. That's it's right. It's so good. A long time ago, I converted an orc warlord who uh, had taken parts from a Necron and sort of slapped them on himself. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing. Like The old saying, like, oh, there's a new model coming out. It's an orc model. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> the... <laughs> It's orcs. Yeah, the the space marine, whatever that battle suit thing is that came out, right? And it was like five <laughs> seconds before somebody put an orc in it. Yeah. But the best part was that like then they took that cover, like the the cockpit cover, and painted like like an orc had painted a space marine on it. Like no, it's cool. It's just it's just space marine here, guys. Fine. <laughs> Don't even worry Good. about it. Don't worry about it. Kyle, I love orcs so much. It's the best. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens, at least story-wise, once this book actually hits shelves and, you know, we get a chance to look at it. Um, 
because as I said, it's supposed to be a big, big shakeup to 40k. Um, looks like the first couple factions to get rules are Eldar, Dark Eldar, and Yunari. So we'll see sort of what happens next. And there's supposed to be, like they're saying, new rules for every faction, and this is just the beginning. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how many books this campaign arc compromises because Vigilus was just two books. But if they're gonna if they're gonna touch everybody in some way, I imagine this has to be you know quite a few. Which which I'm fine with. Oh yeah, definitely. Because I mean, so far we've seen them like what we know is that we're we're getting plastic howling banshees and we're getting plastic um those other guys you buy. buy yeah and we're getting two characters in plastic so if the the assumption has been oh they're going to use this to bring stuff that should be in plastic and is not in plastic to to to, to the market and I'm. Yeah, I mean, okay, that works for armies that still need them. Right. What happens when they're going to give us new models for armies that don't, like Admech and stuff? So I, like, this is a very soft opening salvo with the Eldar, because obviously very cool, very cool model, very cool characters, but this mm. is they're nothing new. Yeah. But we're going to get new stuff, and this is going to get wicked. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting part is what what actually is new, you know. In a couple of weeks we should see, because as far as Sisters of Battle goes, we're just seeing, oh yeah, here's this unit we re-sculpted. But they even said in, in their last update, but there's new stuff we're not going to show you yet, so. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of new stuff they did show us that's yeah, not in true. that box, so like they better do it quick. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I have a theory that the Exorcist is going to be something else. Ugh. Like, I don't, like, and this is, like, caveat, this is a, a bit of wishful thinking on my part, but I got a sneaking suspicion that the Exorcist is going to be the last thing they're going to show us of the current redesigned models, mm-hmm. mm. and I don't think it's just going to be a rhino with a bunch of pipe organs on it. I think it's going to be something else, like... In 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 this later part of the forty first millennium, I don't know. They put it on another chassis of something bigger and more dangerous. So like I'm lane raider sized exorcist. That see, that's what I'm thinking because yeah. think like think of the size of a rhino. Like it's six inches by four inches. It's kind of tiny. It looks about the size of my fist. Like fine, you put an organ on that. It looks it looks cool. Now make that bigger and make the organ more complex more church sized have that you know driving around on the battlefield i mm. it would they, there's so much like we've seen what they've done so far just like just that stupid rocket launcher for the rhinos like <laughs> havoc launcher or whatever already like that just that single piece looks so cool i imagine if they decide all right we're making a full on church organ on the back of a much larger vehicle mm. yeah. yeah i'm hoping there's a sisters of battle flyer too right i mean wings and birds are all over their iconography now yeah you kind of have to yeah it, it it's, it's gonna look amazing if they did one i just think it's like you said one of those actually it's gonna be one of those centerpiece models for the army at least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we we haven't seen like a good big flyer from if for a 40k army in a while. Like it's all been 
little fighters and support crafts, but like something like a Storm Talon, mm-hmm. but for sisters, yeah, like cool, like a much cooler profile, like less boxy, a little more elegant, but still with the Imperium look. Mm, there's like imagine like a sister of the battle flying church, oh. yes, <laughs> something with transport capacity. Very churches cool. churches have a they have a shape that you could like translate into a flyer. Yeah. Stained glass all over the thing. Oh. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I stained glass has a specific place in my heart <laughs> these days for reason. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, along with Psychic Awakening, we're getting our our last two codex supplements for Space Marines. Uh, Imperial Fists and Salamanders. Salamanders. Yeah. So, no, not much surprise there for people. Uh, I think that's pretty much what everybody expected. Um, we'll we'll see what their special rules are once they're going to start revealing them this week because they just you know last on Sunday yesterday said, hey, here's what's coming out next. So, kind of see what they get. Um, I I don't think. Amy, you're not a Space Marine player, right? I'm not a big fan of the Imperium now, yeah. by and large. We all recognize the impression of the Imperium for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> so, yay. <laughs> just just paving the way for Sisters of Battle anyway, which yeah. we'll see soon. Yeah, Sisters of Battle, I feel, for a lot of non-Imperial players, is going to be like their first foray into the Imperium. Yep. Like yeah. if you didn't if you didn't get in at the Adeptus Mechanicus, you're probably gonna you're you might get in at the Sisters, and if you don't, then like you're you know you're all hope is lost. You're just a filthy heretic, right? <laughs> or a Zeno, dirty Zeno, you know. the same thing. Yeah, I mean, exterminatus either way. Yeah, yeah. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the plastic Sisters battle will give way to. Well, I used to work for Games Workshop, my favorite person was the guy that always came in and thought he was original for having his Slaneshi Sisters of Battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen, of course. So, it'll be interesting to see what, what conversions people come up with. But Oh, well, we're yeah. going to see an orc in a penitent or- engine. I like it. I like yes. it. <laughs> Listen, it already that. has a huge buzzsaw arm. What more can you ask for? Yeah, it's halfway there. That's pretty much all the uh, all the 40k news since our, our last podcast. Um, I do have a question for you, Amy. Though we've sort of been talking about contrast, have you had any experience using it at all? So I definitely we've been running a couple demos at the store, and uh, so I have a bunch that I've been playing with, and I definitely think that I like some of them more than others. Um, I have, like, and every time, like, all my guys come in and they're like, look at this thing I did. Like, I had one of my guys uh, did, uh, he's getting a commission to do Space Wolves, so he's painting up sort of sample ones to ask the guy, all right, well, if you want it like this, it'll take this long and it's this much, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he did one, like, entirely contrast, and it is really pretty. Um, But, like, the skeleton, the skeleton bone one and the snakebite leather are amazing the ultramarine blue is so smooth um but like blood angels red i hated it and i don't know i don't know what i did uh but i was not a fan and then like the wildwood because i have like a bunch of sylvanethy type things i've been painting and <laughs> like yeah it's great and then over the metallics 
Because, I mean, like, that's how I like to paint anyway. I like to paint with glazes and things yeah. like that. And so it's like, great, it's in a bottle. And it's a color that already matches what, you know, what the factions, you know, are, are quote unquote, supposed to look like. And, you know, it matches all the other paints. So great. It sure saves me a lot of time that way. Actually, you know, I'm always looking for people doing interesting things. I've seen a lot of interesting, um, you know, a, a Zenithal undercoat followed up by uh, a nice, smooth several layers of the of the contrast. And it, yeah. it's, it's getting really impressive what people are coming up with with the contrast paints. Yeah, now I, I you know, because in New England, you have a very small priming window outside. Yeah. Um, and I live in an apartment, so that gets extra hard because I don't have, like, a garage. So I have an airbrush that... You know, if if nothing else, I absolutely use it for priming. And I Xanathal highlight everything now because if for no other reason, then it lets me see the model better. So I can go, yeah. okay, that's what all this is. <laughs> um, yeah, it just gives me a better perspective. It's worth the extra time for me. I just do it because that way I get really cool, like, lights and shadows. So, yeah, it's but just... I, I've been I've been doing that for years now and I haven't you. <laughs> Wait, that's not true. I did use it for one thing for contrast paint on some capes, and it came out beautifully. Oh, yeah. Like, all it's missing now is just do some edge, some edge highlighting, just to pick out some details, make it, like, just pop a bit more. Yeah. Yep. Because I feel that's the pro The only thing I didn't like about the contrast with that is just it lacks pop. Right. But that's not hard to add. Right. But I mean, that's the big difference between if you're just somebody that doesn't want to play with gray plastic anymore versus someone that wants to do, you know, a higher level painting, because that was a big thing with a lot of the a lot of the quote unquote more experienced painters were poo pooing contrast as sort of the, you know, it's the easy way and it's for beginners and da da da. But there's a couple guys in the in the heavier metal group that are doing they're calling it heavier contrast. So they're doing <laughs> like, you know, an heavy metal quality paint job but using not exclusively but using contrast paints as sort of the main the main painting method well, and it's been really good one of the things i've been using a bit of contrast paints more on is for bases because the 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 warband bases not the warband yeah the warband bases for uh for underworld are extremely scenic and detailed very cool bases oh yeah so it, it's worth putting in a bit of time to paint them really nice. But I've been using contrast because they're bases and I don't like want to they're, – they're a good place to sort of test out and play things. And one of the things that I've noticed, at least for my style of painting, is I get – like I, I have an artistic background. Like my, my you know education is an art. So I tend to do things less following a formula and more like – trying things out and just oh this this is the, the color i feel should go there and i need this to be a little darker so layer in some 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 contrasting paints and so but the results i'm getting what i feel that and i'll i'll, I'll eventually try this on a larger model but i feel that what contrast paints allows me to do is get a more using um games workshop language a more blanche to feel mm. to my painting because it does, because it's 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 very liquid. It does a lot of the um, like uh, it, it, I don't know how to describe this properly, but basically because it's it's so much more liquid, and because it's not just like a coat of paint, and because you can layer it so interestingly, you get to have this much more organic feel to how the paint is applied. 
I don't know if this makes any sense, but because of that, everything looks a lot more. It looks grimy without look, looking messy and half baked. Right. So when you're doing bases and you're trying to have like this, you're trying to have the ground look like it's undergrowth. Having a much more like obviously organic, you know, brush stroke to it instead of the calculated highlights that we are used to doing with the, the standard techniques, it just works so much better. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to apply a large scale. I do like the John Blanche style of painting, so this, <laughs> this can serve as a shortcut for me to get there. Sure. That's one of those styles that it's like seems to be very divisive, right? Either you love it or you hate it. But I think I think especially now more people seem to be coming around to it. Well, I, I think it's more divisive like on canvas. Like his yeah, true. canvas paintings I I not a huge fan of. But the way he paints his miniatures is how I want to go because and I think this is why it's divisive, is because it doesn't follow the trends. Like it's right. just it's painting. Like it's artistic painting. Like it looks like every like every fig has its own feel to it, and it doesn't look like it's just a series of recipes. Like this, this every single piece is a piece of actual creative art, not just well. This needs to be red, and this is the recipe for red. And this this is why I like contrast. Like it's it allows you to slap on colors if you understand like how it flows and how it how it reacts a lot more canvas style than you would with normal paints yeah and it's very much you know that style definitely seems to lend itself to the like like the more interesting more unique factions anyway like this you know convergence things of that nature like i don't think you're gonna especially in the blanchitsu style you're not gonna see like oh here's my space marine chapter that they all kind of look the same. No, absolutely. Like it, it, you, it's it makes it difficult because it's not necessarily as recipe based. Yeah, you can't say, well, here's a hundred figurines that look exactly the same. Like it's 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 a lot cooler and easier for lower model count stuff. Yeah, or unique models. Yeah, exactly. Which which is has always been a disappointment to me when I look at competition painting because competition painting is very much all right. Well, these days we do NM, NMM and right, right. what's fashionable these days is this artist's particular recipe and technique for NMM. So everybody's doing that this year. Like I've always been disappointed that you don't see like once in a while you'll have someone come out like with a James like a. Was it uh, like a space marine that looks like an actor whose name I can't remember? Oh, Daniel Craig. Craig. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Craig. Yeah, uh, space marine that looks fantastic. But a lot of the time, like it's like, all right, well, you know, I it, it this figurine looks absolutely amazing, but I can probably trace back the genealogy of every single technique that was used on this thing. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's technically it's a technical marvel, but it's not like. It's 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 one of those things that our teachers are really freaking annoying about, where they'll tell you this is technically great, but it is not artistically mm -hmm. challenging. Yeah. Well, and I, I hopefully you know keep saying it, but as contrast gets out there more, I'm hoping to see in these painting competitions more. You know, they'll be like, oh, this is awesome. Here you go, you win. And he's like, yeah, I did that. You know, mostly with contrast paint. Oh yeah, yeah I'm no, putting I, contrast paint on my golden demon. It's happening. Nice. 
doing it. I, I, my, my feeling is that long term contrast paint is not going to be seen as a shortcut. Is oh yeah, it because the more I'm using it, the more I'm realizing oh no, this this feels like like some of the paints that I use like when I you know, do illustration stuff. This is this isn't like a shortcut. I mean, it can be used as a shortcut, but I feel like the shortcut is just like that's your sales tool to tell people to come and buy it. But right, it, it's, it's like you're saying it's a new way to it's a new way to paint really. Right, but I, I I feel that it's going to become a necessary mm. for like I, I don't think it's going to be like something that like short term yeah it's going to be yeah I won this but I use contrast ha 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 what a joke I feel that give it five years it's going to be no if you're not using contrast or high flow paints in your for for your for your you know competition entries you're doing it wrong. Like, I have a feeling that the like the artistic possibilities are going to bring it there. Yeah, I don't understand anyone that like immediately rules out any tool, like just because of its, you know, yeah, advertising you, you... or intended purpose. I mean, because like you, I have an art background, so I use exactly like random artistic media to paint my miniatures all the time. <laughs> you know, like I was using crackle paint on stuff. You know, back before GW was like, yeah, no, you can use crackle paint. Right, great. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a lot of times. Well, it's it's always one of my complaints. Like every time someone someone invented a technique for miniatures, like no, someone's using a technique that you was used for canvas or right. even miniatures like 200 years ago. Like we've been painting this stuff, and like object source lighting is great on a miniature. And I mean, all credit to the person who brought it from canvas to miniature, but it's essentially the same technique except easier on a model. But this stuff's been done like for hundreds of years, and it's the same thing for pro for various like products. Like people have been doing arts and crafts, like like Amy said, like crackle paint. Yeah, it's awesome on a model. Or it's like how many available. people use? Yeah, or people, you know, how many people use oil washes? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just straight up. Like, oh wait, yeah. this would be way better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is amazing. It's a good thing that people are bringing it yes. from like your garden variety art world into miniature painting. But it's it's and and I want to see more of that, and I want to see whatever we've missed that hasn't been like brought brought in, like high flow paint. Like, yeah, cool. Um, and and we're seeing it even more with Scale Seventy Five, who've put out like they've put out like this these paints that come in a tube that you're supposed that you can use for pretty much every anything apparently. Like I'm curious to get my hands on them because they're meant for figs, but also other things so i'm like i i think the, the the overlap between miniature painting and traditional art painting is going to become less and less um like distinct like we're going to get mm. to see the overlap become more you know uniform and maybe then we'll stop seeing people like screaming like, oh, this tool is for noobs, so no one else is going to use it except noobs. And using it, you know, basically means you're a noob. Like, yeah, sure, fine. I mean, it's the same like it's the same conversation I've had a long time ago with people that were like arguing against dry brushing. It's like, Dude, yeah, people use dry brushing on canvas paint. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> You do like high textured stippling, stippling with like a very thick paint. Let that dry, and then you dry brush it with something pink paler. And look, oh, your 
you know, greenery on this painting looks super cool. Like it's and it's not noobs that do this with their oils. It's you know, really good artists. Yeah. So yeah, I, we need we need to really stop this whole, you know, taking a crap on on, on <laughs> products and instead like embrace the variety and the choice we have for what it is, which right. is it's awesome. Just, it's even the same thing with paint brands, right? It's like. I mean, I don't like this paint brand, but if that's your paint, like, great. Like, if that works for you. Or I yeah. like these three colors from this one brand and then this one over here. Like, it's great. We can have all of it. We we want all of it. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that's the part that people don't necessarily realize. And I, I know we're ranting at this point. But, like, the more we have things, the better for us, the consumer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, don't use them. That's fine. No one's putting a gun in your head. But at the same time, you know, the more of these varieties, the more variety we have, the better. And even if you don't use them, you should still champion companies putting out different products because yeah. eventually a company is going to put out the product that you like and that is not popular, but that you want them to keep making. So, yeah, you'll you want to be on that side of the fence immediately. You know, I think. Part of it, too, is fear, right? So here's a new product that I'm not familiar with, but I'm a competition-level painter. Somebody could produce something that's going to win over me with this new thing that I don't know how to use. I mean, that's like JF said just as much. Like yeah. when they announced Contrast Paints was like, man, I mean, are we going to have to step up our game because it's just going to open all these doors, you know, that that we didn't even know. Yeah, because and this is kind of the fun thing about contrast is that contrast does a lot of the things I do with my paints. Like I dilute my paints in a certain way that it acts very much like contrast, and that's how I apply it. So when I saw contrast, like that that very fear you described, Matt, is what I felt. But my reaction wasn't no, don't make it. It's like yeah, well, okay, this is gonna be faster, but I'm gonna have to step it up. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the reaction that I I prefer to see rather than like you guys are saying, you know, the oh man, this is stupid, don't even use it. I saw, I saw, I, I'm sorry, I saw sorry, a lot of posts. I saw a lot of posts on the various painting pages that I follow. You know, where people just post models where they'd post a model and be like, all 100% contrast, LOL. And it was just like, guys, come on, it's not. Yeah, the the, uh, the those are not posts that are going to age well, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, like, I've like I've seen a lot of people complain about contrast paints, but I also follow a lot of professional painters. Yeah. And yeah, none of them, none of the professionals are bitching against contrast paints. I like I feel it's the mid-level aspiring champions that are trying, to, like, are unhappy because. They want to break into that like upper tier of com- competition, so they see this and there's like, no, those below me are gonna catch up. But the people that are already like top tier, they're like, all right, well, one more thing, yeah, for me to <laughs> either use or not. Like, and and that's another thing. Like, if if you're a competition painter and you're really really into it, talent doesn't fear talent. No. And and it'll it'll embrace new tools. Absolutely. Always. Seems like lately we always end up talking about contrast, but 
because it's so exciting. I think that's why. I, I shit, I, I'm excited for it. Like I've I've only touched like the 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 surface of contrast. I've only dabbled with it for like tiny little things here and there. Mostly because I haven't had like a, a project that like, I haven't delved into really big projects yet with it. But I'm I'm already kind of like seeing the possibilities of what this this stuff can do. Yeah, I have my rogue trader Gellerpox infected, and like my plan is to do like the bulk of it with contrast. Yeah, I have uh, ninety plague bears for Age of Sigmar that yeah. are, are dying yep. for for uh, the yeah. contrast. Yeah, I did uh, I did seventy something pox walkers before contrast, and that's sad. I'm like, <laughs> man, <laughs> only I'd known. See, that might be another source of the frustration, though. Like, yeah, you you're you're just off the tail end of like eighty models that took forever to do and then games workshop says like well you wasted your time because this is what you could have used and yeah okay that, that is freaking frustrating i get it and i mean just for even for the the more casual painter i think locally at least at you know my local gaming store i've seen so many more painted models on the table than i have yep, in, in a long time absolutely you know oh, we, yeah. we got people painting armies over a long weekend you know getting getting them at least to a, a decent, you know, tabletop standard. Yeah. I have a lot of guys that like, they've never painted or they, you know, they pay somebody to paint for them or, or all of that. And they're like, well, I'm doing it. And like, they look good and it like helps. Right. Cause I mean, if you're, if you go to paint a model, you don't paint, you go to paint and it comes out looking like garbage. You're not going to want to keep painting. Yeah. Even though like, that's how you get better. Like some people, they just aren't wired that way and they just yeah. get frustrated. But like you can get something decent real quick. And I think that that's a big help for the hobby. I'm all about getting everyone into the hobby. So oh, definitely. I'm going to name Like the, the, the whole like close clubhouse thing is no, no, holds no. no interest for me. Yeah. No. Definitely. Well, I think that's all the 40K news, but, um, you guys have a pretty interesting podcast coming coming soon, right? End of the month? End of the month. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> it's very sneaking up on us. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. We're we're on sketch. Sure. Oh. <laughs> Don't scare me. It's okay. Do you want to talk about it? You want me to talk about it? No, this is I mean, I'm I'm behind the scenes on this. This is this is your this is your public forum to use <laughs> so our upcoming uh project is a storytelling podcast called ache willow um it's the story of a young uh french canadian woman named miriam who um she's down on her luck and her life is falling apart but she learns that not only does she have uh did she have a distant relative in ache willow but that she inherited something special a quaint little coffee shop in the middle of town uh, she sees the opportunity to solve her problems by selling the property, so she travels to Ake Willow, intent on settling the estate and walking out of town much richer. But Ake Willow isn't your normal place. It attracts strange and one the strange and the wonderful, and as Miriam is going to find out, uh, it's the town is loath to let go of what and who it attracts. So it's a lot of things. Uh, it's a strange landscape of subtle magics, bizarre people, coffee, the occasional demon, and baking. And it's, yeah... So it's it's sort of a halfway between an audiobook and a radio drama uh, narrated by me, written by our good friend JF. And uh, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. So 
for people who like like the like things like Twin Peaks or mm-hmm. Strange Little Villages, there's gonna be something for you. It's I think we're I don't want to say like we're borrowing anything from say Night Vale, but it's definitely got like the whole weird eccentric town thing going on. Hmm. Yeah. It's for anybody that has read my other books, like it's not as intense as say God in the Shed was, but it's the same you know literary language if you will. Yeah. So what where did you guys sort of get get the idea for for doing this? I can answer that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that we haven't talked said about Amy is that Amy is the winner of the first ever America's Next Top Podcaster podcast competition. Oh, cool! So I did not know that she's she's kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a she's got a trophy and everything. I do. But more to the point, I'd been podcasting with Amy for. Four years. Mm-hmm. And I thought I knew what she was capable of. <laughs> and then I heard her entries on that competition. I went, oh, no, she's been holding back. <laughs> she can do a lot more. And I've been toying with the idea, like, oh, I need, I need, like, because my, my book release schedule has been very slow, especially in the past two years. Mm. And I want to do more for my readers. I want to put more stuff out there. And I was toying with the idea of doing like a podcast where I read stuff that I write and uh, no one wants to hear my voice. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. And <laughs> I don't have the production chops to do a good job with it. So it would just be me reading my own garbage and uh, it, it, it would have been a catastrophe. But I figured, hey, if I write something that's still my style but that appeals to Amy, I can rope her into – being like the narrator on this thing i can give her like a lot of production freedom so she can make it like hers in a way and i i can write this thing so i i looked at what i wanted to write what i kind of stories i wanted to tell and i looked at what interests amy had which i knew she liked from what i've i had already written and came up with aquilo and I am super happy because it's I like really weird things and mm-hmm. it's a really weird story. <laughs> well, it sounds awesome. Um, I am a, a fan of, of your books, Jeff, as I've told you before. But Yeah, it's um, always weird when people say that. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to this too, though. Um, where can people find out more information about it? So we are everywhere on the internet as Aquilo, uh, like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, A-C-H-E-W-I-L-L-O-W. Uh, and if you go to aquilo.com, there is currently an audio Q&A that we did uh, with, uh, we had some of our sort of friends and, and you know, fr- friends and family and, and people that are close to us. Once we sort of announced what the project was, we had them ask us questions about uh, the world and what it was going to be. And we did a little audio Q and a, and you can go listen to that at equilo.com. And is there a solid date for the first episode? We is want... it Halloween? That's the plan, it's... right? The plan, the plan is that on Halloween, people will be able to download it. Now yeah. it may be out like a day or two early mm-hmm. or a day or two late. If like the feeds are weird because the first sure. time you put out, yeah, a podcast, that's yeah, it never works. There's always a weird thing. 
but we're we're hoping that on Halloween people will be able to just go to aquilo.com or look for aquilo on any of their podcatchers and find the first episode. But of course, like the best way to know about that is just like to follow us, like follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Any announcements are going to be there, and because because we've got other, other media things going on, like to to help promote. So there's a lot of other fun things that on like coming our way for that. Awesome. So you guys like listening to JF here. So go listen to Amy read some of JF's stories. Yeah, it's a way better <laughs> means of consuming <laughs> what comes out of my brain. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it's going to go over really well. Um, it sounds really interesting. And you can check them out at com, And, of course, on Facebook, as they mentioned, that's where you can get up-to-date news on what's going on. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Excellent. Yeah, we will have, like, at some point this... Games Workshop, you know, centered thing we're working yep. on, but that's for yep. later. That's, that's later. That's, when yeah. when that's when that's getting going, you can come back on and talk about that. All right, sounds like a plan. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you know, reach out to us on Facebook. Show us what you're painting. Any cool, you know, games you guys got going on, just let us know, um, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to 40K Radio, part of the Free Buddhist Network. You can contact us via email at hosts at 40kradio.com or on the Free Buddhist Forum. Please check out the other podcasts on the Free Buddhist Network. Until next time, remember that in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war and cookies. <laughs>